Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Uh, We do pray for fresh insight and understanding of your Word. And we pray that you help us to apply your word to our lives. Um, you know, I just read something recently, and it's so true, Lord, that that Bible study isn't over until we apply it. And so that's my prayer, that not only would we hear and understand, but we would also apply it with the help of your Holy Spirit. And I do pray for the gift of teaching, that I would decrease, and that you would increase, that you will be glorified. Help me, Father, I pray, to rightly divide your word of truth. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So we are in Genesis uh, chapter 24, and the title of the message is A Bride for the Son. So once again, Genesis chapter 24, with the title, title being A Bride for the Son. And so one thing you'll notice about Genesis chapter 24, if you haven't already, is that it is a long chapter. So there are 67 verses. And, and by the way, it happens uh, to be the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. So I just want to give you a heads up about that. Uh, but it also means that there is a lot that we can learn from this chapter. And I do intend on learning something from this chapter. And my prayer is that you as well would will receive a timely word from the Lord as we get into this longest chapter in the book of Genesis, Genesis 24. Um, in verses 1 through 4, we're going to start there. It says, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Uh, so Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son, Isaac. Now, at this point, Abraham is 140 years old and Isaac was 40 years old. And you can uh, see Isaac's age in the following chapter. And so at this point, of course, since Abraham is getting up there in years, he was already an elderly gentleman. But now being 140, he knows uh, that God had promised uh, that his descendants would be as innumerable as the dust of the earth and also as the stars in the universe. They cannot be counted. That's what the Lord promised him. He hasn't seen that part yet, but he knows that even at age 140. And so this covenant that God had made with Abraham, it will continue to flow through Isaac, who is called the son of promise. And it is through Isaac, by the way, that Abraham's seed would be called or counted not through Ishmael but through Isaac uh, the son of promise but at this point uh, 40 years after he and Sarah had Isaac 
he realizes, realizes that um, Isaac had yet to get married. Not only that, he had yet to have children. And so at that time, it was the custom for the parents, especially the father, to choose whom their offspring would marry. And, and so we saw what we saw in verses 1 through 4. And so Abraham, he makes his oldest servant, whom many believe to be Eliezer from Genesis uh, chapter 15, verse 2, to make an oath. And in this oath, he, he would promise to take a wife for Isaac, um, to not take a wife for Isaac from the Canaanites. Um, he would promise to go to Mesopotamia or Ur of the Chaldees uh, to find a wife from his own family for his son. And then in this oath, uh, the servant would agree to not take Isaac back to his hometown. And that part we're going to see in verse 6. Uh, but as the servant who uh, technically is not named in this chapter, as that servant goes through the process of making this oath, uh, notice where Abraham wanted him to place his hand. He wanted him to place his hand under his thigh. And by the way, that was a euphemism or a nice way for placing the hand under the male genital organ. So in other words, he would place it under the part that had the mark of circumcision, which was a sign that he was in a covenant relationship with the God of the universe. And so this was customary for affirming a solemn or serious oath. And so one thought for doing it this way is that it was done to make a solemn promise uh, based on the sanctity of the family and commitment to the family line. Another thought as far as why this was done this way um, is that this act symbolized that the yet unborn children would avenge any violation of this oath. So in other words, if if this servant didn't keep the oath, then then, it's, then the children would, would avenge him. Um, a third thought of, as far as why the hand was placed where it was placed as the servant made this oath is that this act could have been done to solemnize the oath in the name of the God who gave circumcision as the sign of the covenant. And so uh, those are a few reasons of why. And it could be maybe all three of why uh, Abraham asked his um, servant to place his hand there um, in the place where I read. And so I don't want to keep repeating it, but you know where he placed it. Uh, so, so now why didn't. By the way, why didn't Abraham want the servant to find a wife for Isaac from amongst the Canaanite people? Uh, first of all, I just want to let you know it didn't have to do with their skin color. It didn't have to do with their ethnic background. Um, in fact, it had to do with their lifestyle and with whom they worship. Uh, the people who lived in the land of Canaan uh, before the Israelites came in, um, they worship idol gods. They were doing things that were just uh, flat out sinful in the sight of God. And so this just reminds us 
um, as we read about Abraham's requirements that he had placed upon his servant in regard to finding a wife for Isaac, it just reminds us that when we are looking for someone to marry, that we are not to get um, in a relationship with a person who is not a believer. In other words, with a person who does not have a personal relationship through Jesus Christ by placing their trust in him for salvation, that is a no-no. And it's not because we say it's a no-no. It is because the word of God says that it's a no-no. And so parents, when your children get to the point when they have the urge to look for a mate, we want to remind them of what the Bible says. And many of you uh, can quote uh, the following scripture in Second Corinthians chapter uh, 6, verses 14 and 15. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Uh, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Belial which means worthless or wicked and so this was another name by the way for Satan and then he asked another question in verse 15 or what part has an a believer with an unbeliever and so this doesn't mean we I mean obviously we we can work with unbelievers and so forth and many of us do uh, but we're not to participate in what they participate in and according to the word of god as far as marriage is concerned being um you know yoked with an unbelievers and and something uh, as serious as marriage that should not take place and so um, you know just based on the word of god and god knows best he created marriage he knows what is best in verses five and six, it says, and the servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? Uh, but Abraham said to him, beware that you do not take my son back there. And so the servant asked Abraham a great question because there was a possibility that, okay, even if he found uh, the, the right young lady for Isaac, that maybe this young lady would not want to go back or go to the land of Canaan to be with Isaac. That's a possibility. And so the servant asked this great question. But we see here that Abraham was adamant that the servant does not take Isaac to the place where God had called him to leave in the first place. And so as parents and Abraham, he was responsible here. So as parents or maybe your guardian, guardian of a child, don't, don't be responsible uh, for taking our children back to where we were brought out from. For example, and I'm not talking about a location. I'm not talking about a certain city, but I'm talking about the life of sin. And so the Lord has brought you out, if you're a believer, from the life of sin. Uh, so don't take your children back there. Well, how can we take our children back to the place that the Lord has brought us out from when we receive Christ? Well, well, we can, first of all, we can be a bad example. And when they see our bad example, the, the children will copy that bad example uh, a lot of the times. And they end up doing those things that... The Lord had initially brought us out from. 
or even sometimes as parents, we can talk about the good old days and part of the so-called good old days will be glorifying our sinful past. And sometimes people do that when sharing their testimonies. They talk more about the sinful past than they do about um, how the Lord has changed their lives since they repented and put their trust in Jesus for salvation. And so you don't want to glorify our sinful past. We don't want to do that, nor lead them backwards by being a bad example. So we don't want to be responsible, in other words, from from taking our children back from where we were brought out from when we said, I do, to Jesus. And now speaking from the perspective of Isaac, who is Abraham's son of promise, Isaac is in the place that God wants him. He is in the land of Canaan. Canaan is, of course, the promised land. And so spiritually speaking, uh, promised land is not necessarily a picture of heaven because when you, you'll notice that when the children of Israel enter into the promised land, there is still fighting going on. They, they still have to fight these different people. So, so what, um, spiritually speaking, what the promised land or Canaan represents, it represents the rich, victorious life of the spirit. And so that is where Isaac is dwelling. He is in the, the, the rich, victorious life of the spirit. And so Isaac is not to leave that place, that land of promise, but he's continue, he's to continue to move forward in that rich, victorious life of the spirit. And so for those of us who are where the Lord wants us to be, that is in that rich, victorious life of the spirit, when we are moving forward in the word of God, when we are learning how to be more obedient to the word of God, when we're not having the same struggles that we used to have, when we are experiencing victory after victory uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are in the place that God wants us to be. We are not to move from that place. And so therefore, if we're looking from the perspective of Isaac, you want to stay there just like Isaac in that uh, place where there's that rich, victorious life of the spirit where you are now conquering those areas of your life that, that, that just used to be a struggle for you. But now you see that those, those, uh, that certain sin or whatever it may have been, it's not as much as a struggle for you as it used to be. And so you want to continue to move forward. You want to continue to grow on to spiritual maturity, becoming more like Jesus and less like the old you who used to be ruled by that sin nature that we all have the sin nature by the way that we have all received from Adam we want to continue to grow don't move from that place just like Isaac in verses 7 through 14 it says the Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying to your descendants I give this land He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. So if you keep in track um, with this, this is Abraham still talking to his servant. And he says, and if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. And so the servant put his hand under the thigh or genitals of 
of Abraham, his master. And he swore to him concerning this matter. Verse 10, then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia or um, some translations you may see around the Naharaim, um, which is to the city of Nahor or the home of Abraham's brother. And Nahor, by the way, was also the name that was given to Abraham's grandfather. And so he is uh, now, you know, near the city of Nahor. And so in verse 11, it says, and he made his camels kneel kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, uh, the time when women go out to draw water. And then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink. I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And so the servant left Hebron in the southern part of Canaan. And he went to Mesopotamia, which is a 450 to 500 mile journey. And so when the servant arrived outside the city, the city of Nahor, uh, by a well of water, at this time it was evening. It was the time that women would go out to draw water from the well. Uh, in fact, one source says that early in the morning, women would come to the well for a supply of water for the day. And then again in early evening for water for that night. So this was the right time where the servant um, found himself, the right time and the right place, as we'll see. And so we also see in these verses that the servant prayed that his journey and that his efforts would be successful. He had turned to the living God in prayer for this. And as we observe this prayer of the servant, uh, we can learn or at least be reminded of some things about prayer. And so in this lesson, I have a few prayer points for us to learn or be reminded of. And so first of all, prayer shows our reliance on the Lord. And so he was relying on the Lord to, to make his journey and his efforts successful. Now, second of all, we see that prayer should be specific. And so he was specific in his prayer. In the uh, specific, I'm not even going to try to say it, not going to try to be um, fancy or anything, but we see how specific he is in this prayer when he says, uh, let down, now the um, young woman to whom I say, please let down your picture that I may drink. And she says, drink. And he says, I will also give your camels a drink. He says, let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And here's the specificity. That's the word I was looking for. And he says, and by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And so we see that prayer should be specific as much as 
possible. And so in verses 15 through 25, it says, and it happened before he had finished speaking that behold, Rebecca, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her picture pitcher on her shoulder. And so this pitcher was an earthenware uh, jar uh, with one or two handles. And the women, they would either carry this on their head or shoulder. And so we see that she has this earthenware on her shoulder. And in verse 16, it says, now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant, it says, ran to meet her and said, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. And so here's the test that he had put out. And so if you will, if you could think of Gideon, the judge, here's this fleece that he's putting out, so to speak. And so in verse 18, uh, so she said, drink, my Lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished uh, giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Uh, Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water and and drew for all his camels. Verse 21, and the man wondering at her, he remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or successful or not. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel or one fifth of an ounce and two bracelets for her wrist weighing 10 shekels, which was about four ounces each. And he said, whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there a room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. So therefore, she was the granddaughter um, to Nahor and Milcah, which means she was the great niece to Abraham. And of course, she was Isaac's cousin. And so in verse 55, I mean, sorry, 25, it says, moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. And so before the servant had even finished his prayer, Rebecca showed up. And not only did she give the servant water, she offered to give water to the 10 camels that he had. And of course, that was an answer to his prayer, uh, that, that specific prayer to let him know if this woman is the one for Isaac. Um, and then on top of that, as I mentioned, she was also a part of Abraham's family. And so as we see the servant's prayer being answered quickly, uh, we come to the third prayer point of the study. And so that third prayer point is that sometimes the Lord answers prayer quickly. We do see that happen sometimes that he just answers just even before we are done with the prayer, the, the, the phone is ringing or, or me, maybe even when we check the mailbox right after prayer time, then what we need is in that mailbox. But, but we do know that the Lord answers prayer quickly at times. Now, like what it says, by the way, in Psalm 145 verses 18 and 19. It says that the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry 
and save them. And so the Lord is near. It may seem sometime like the Lord is far away, that he's not listening or hearing your prayer, saint, but, but the Lord is near to the true believer, to the believer who calls upon him. If you call upon him in truth, the Lord, it says, is near. And so what we see here from Rebecca, by the way, in watering these camels, it was very impressive because this was a very difficult task because one camel, depending on what source you use, but one camel could drink up to 30 gallons of water in one sitting. So depending on the source, so they can drink a lot of water. So this was a very difficult task for her. And this, and she was dealing with 10 camels, 10 of Abraham's camels that the servant had used in order to travel to this place. But, but this, not only her dealing with this difficult task, but there's some other things in this passage that reveal Rebecca's character. And so, first of all, we know that she was a hard worker. We also know by the fact that she was willing to share her water with this servant, this man she didn't even know. We can see that she was generous, that she was kind. And not only that, but she was hospitable because she mentioned to him that they have both straw and feed enough and even room to lodge where she lived. And so she had um, uh, lots of uh, great qualities here. And so in addition to being a believer, I just want to let you know that these are two some good qualities for a wife today. In verse 26, it says that uh, then the men, they then the man bowed his head and he worshiped the Lord. And so that brings us to prayer point number four. Prayer point number four is that worship should be the response to answer prayer. Now, some of us, we just we just think that God owes us. And so when the Lord answers our prayer, when he blesses us, we just move on as if, you know, God owes us anything. He doesn't owe us anything at all. In fact, whatever we have, whatever he allows us to do from him, for him, it's all because of his grace. It's all because of his unmerited or undeserved favor. And so worship should be the response when God blesses us, when he answers our specific prayers or any prayer at all. In fact, even if he doesn't answer the prayer the way we want it to, the way we want him to, just the fact that he is God should encourage us to worship. In verse 27, it says, and he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master, Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren or family. And so the Lord had led this servant to the house of Abraham's family while he was on the way. You see, some of us ask for directions. We ask the Lord in particular for directions. Lord, what do I do in this situation? How, how do I handle this? Or what is your will for this situation? What is your will for my family? What is your will for my life? 
but, but, but sometimes we don't um, get the directions or it's not clear to us. That's because we are not on the way like the servant was. You see, while he was on the way, he received guidance from the Lord. And so I would encourage you that there are times where the Lord wants us to take step A in faith before he will show us step B. But but some of us, we want the Lord to show us all the way or to point us all the way to step Z when we have even taken, we have not even taken the initial step of faith. And so this servant did. He was obedient to his master, Abraham, and he was on the way and the Lord led him to where he was supposed to be and the Lord can do the same for us. And so I would encourage you to uh, at times, depending on how the Lord is leading to take that step. A that step of faith and then be sensitive to the Holy Spirit on how he's going to lead you to step B. See, overall, overall, as believers, we need to involve the Lord in our circumstances And many of you know this verse very well, Proverbs 3, 6. And I'm just going to use this part uh, because I want to focus on this. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, acknowledge the Lord, and he shall direct your paths. And so, in, in other words, involve him in whatever we do. Involve him in every facet of our lives. And the Lord will direct us to in the way that he'll have us to go. And he'll make it plain to us. In verses 28 through 46, we're going to look at a large chunk of scriptures. It says, so the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. Now, Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban and Laban ran out to meet the man by the well. So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist. And when he heard the words of his sister, Rebecca saying, thus, the man spoke to me that he went to the man and there he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, uh, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. Then the man came to the house and he, that is Laban, unloaded the camels and provided straw and feed for the camels and water to wash his feet. That is to wash the servant's feet and the feet of the men who are with him. And in verse 33, it says food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have told my errand about my errand. And he said, Speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly and he has become great. And he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him, he has given all that he has. Now, my master made me swear, saying, you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way. And you shall take a wife for my son, for my family and from my father's house. You will be clear from this oath. When you arrive among my family, but or for if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. And this day I have come to the well and said, oh, Lord, God of my master, Abraham, if you will not prosper the way in which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water and I say to her, please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink. And she says to me, drink and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman 
whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Uh, verse 45, but before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder. And she went down to the well and drew water. And I said to her, please let me drink. And she made haste and she let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give your camels a drink also. So I drank and she gave the camels a drink also. And so Rebecca, she went home. She told her family of her encounter with Abraham's servant. And then her brother uh, Laban, he took note of Rebecca's jewelry, her her new jewelry, the new nose ring and bracelets. And maybe that says something about Laban's character, which we'll really find out um, a little later, find out more about that. But but he saw her jewelry now and he heard what she said. And he went himself to meet this servant at the well. So at that time, we see that Laban brought him to his house and we see that he was hospitable to Abraham's servant and those who were with him. But I like this servant, the servant, he had food before him and I'm sure he was hungry. Uh, but he says, before I eat, I want to make sure you understand my business of, of why I'm here. I got some business to accomplish and, and I'm not going to take any pleasure or even feed my belly until you know about my business, about why I am here on this errand. And so when this servant told Rebecca's family about the prayer that he offered up to the Lord, he said, get this, but before I have finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder and she went down to the well and drew water. And I said to her, please let me drink. And so this is prayer point number five. Prayer point number five is that we do not have to pray out loud. Personally, I like to pray out loud. I get less distracted when I pray out loud. I I pray throughout the day. Sometimes as I'm talking to somebody, as somebody is talking to me, I don't know if you ever saw a glazed look on my face. Hopefully you haven't seen that. but, But sometimes as people are talking to me. I'm praying in my head and listening to them at the same time. And so I do pray silently. Or even when somebody's sharing a prayer request, I'm I'm thinking and praying in my head of, Lord, how, how do you want me to pray for this situation and for this person? But I love personally to pray out loud. So just want to let you know that it's okay to pray out loud. But that's not something we have to do. Why? Because the Lord knows what's in our hearts. Uh, we, we Some of us, we don't give God as much credit as he should get and we think oh you know you know that prayer was too short the lord don't you know he wants me to pray for a whole hour before he's going to answer it but but if you remember uh peter's prayer when he was sinking in the water the only thing he says lord save me a, a very short prayer so the prayer doesn't have to be long it doesn't have to be loud And so I want to focus on that for prayer point number five. We do not have to pray out loud. The Lord knows what's in our hearts. Let's look at verses 47 through 49. It says, then I asked her and and said, whose daughter are you? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. And so I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist. And I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master, Abraham, who had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter or granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. 
Now, if you would deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. In other words, if you're not going to let her come with me so I could take her to Isaac, then let me know so I can go on about my way. But if you are going to let her come with me also, let me know. And so I just love the way Abraham's servant speaks of God leading him because it is so accurate. He says that the Lord had led him in the way of truth. That That is so true of God. He always leads us in the way of truth. Ultimately, ultimately, the father wants us to go in the way of the way, the truth. And the life. Let me say that one, one more time, just in case it went over your heads. Our father ultimately wants us to go in the way of the way, the truth and the life. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Jesus. Ultimately, he wants to point us to Jesus. And so if you are being directed to put your trust in Jesus, then you are being led In the right way, because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Amen. 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 He never steers us in the wrong direction. Uh, Verses 50 and 51, it says, then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, the thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either uh, bad or good. In other words, we can't. You know, we can't change what must happen or in other words, uh, another translation says uh, we have no choice in the matter. And so that's the idea of it because it's from the Lord. So verse 51, here is Rebecca before you take her and go and let her be your master son's wife as the Lord has spoken. And so here um, we see Bethuel, who is um, Rebecca's father. So now he comes into the picture. And so uh, apparently he's still alive at this point. Uh, but it could be that he was maybe sickly or disabled at this point. And, and we think that because may, because we see that Laban had been taking the lead in representing the family. So that could be the case. But the scriptures doesn't say. So it's just a possibility. Uh, but Bethuel and Laban recognized that God had planned for Rebecca to be Isaac's wife. And they were not willing to go against God's plan, which is wise. In fact, they gave Rebecca permission to go with the servant as the Lord has spoken. And as believers, uh, that's a good reminder for us that we should, instead of fighting against God's plan, we should go with it. Go with God's plan. In verses 52 through 56, we're going to make it, I think. It says, and it came to pass. When Abraham's servant heard their words, that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, um, jewelry of gold and clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. And he and the men who were with him, they ate and drank and stayed all night. Then they arose in the morning and he said, send me away to my master. That is to Abraham. Uh, But her brother and her mother said, let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least 10 after that, she may go. And he said to them, don't don't hinder me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. And so these gifts 
according to one source, that were given to Rebecca. They are wedding gifts. Uh, but the dowry paid to her brother and mother, that was to secure Rebecca's financial future in case Isaac left her or in case he should die. And so the dowry was actually hers technically, but it was kept by Laban and her mother. Uh, but the wedding gifts to the bride, that is Rebecca, uh, they were also a sign of her husband's um, ability to or future husband's ability to provide for her. And it was also to show his respect and his desire for her. And so you see that these gifts were given to them. But then we see that, um, okay, they, 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 let us stay, let her stay with us for 10 days. But I just love what the servant says that, you know, I don't want you to hinder me. Do not hinder me. The Lord had blessed me on the way. He's prospered my way. I don't, I don't want to be held back or anything like that. And so for us as believers, we just taken all kind of spiritual nuggets from this servant here. Uh, for us as well, we need to make sure we don't allow anything to hinder us. We need to, in fact, lay aside those things in this life that hinder us in our walk with the Lord and our mission that the Lord has given to us. In fact, in Hebrews 12:1, and it's just part of it, it tells us to let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so I must ask the question to you, believers, is there anything in your life that is hindering you in your walk with the Lord? Is there anything in your life or anyone in your life that is hindering you from the calling that God has placed upon your life? If that's true, if if there's anything there or anyone there, uh, we need to lay those things aside. They just weigh us down. They slow us down in this race that is set before us. In verses 57 through 63, back in Genesis 24, it says, So they said, We will call the young woman and ask her personally. Then they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse. That is, the one who nursed and raised her. Um, and her name is Deborah, by the way, you'll find out. Um, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands and may your descendants possess the gates, which the gates, they, they, these were the centers of power in those cities and of those who hate them. Then Rebecca in verse 61, it says, and her maids arose and they, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebecca and departed. And now Isaac came from the way of Beir Lahai uh, which means the well of the living one who sees me. And it says here, for he dwelt in the south or in the Negev, the southern part of Israel. And in verse 63, it says, and Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening and he lifted his eyes and looked and there the camels were coming. And so we learn something about Rebecca's character. And so now here we learn something about Isaac's character. See, Isaac seemed to be a praying man and a man who meditated on the things of the Lord. And so this is an encouragement for maybe those of you who are single and are looking for a wife. 
And so the encouragement is that for single men who want to get married, uh, I want you to get used. The Lord wants you to get used to spending time with the Lord and getting to know him better. So in other words, in this area here, be an Isaac. And then when God helps you find a wife, you will be prepared to be the husband that God had called you to be. In verses 64 through 67, I think we're going to make it. Then Rebecca lifted her eyes and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel. For she had said to the servant, who is this man walking in the field to meet us? Then the servant said, it is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And so when I picture this scene, when, when she sees Isaac coming out of the field and she asks, who is this man walking in the field to meet us? It just reminds me of my high school days when I finished a uh, running track and I had sweat on me and everything. And then Danique comes along. Who is this man coming out of track practice? And, 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 and no, that kind of. <laughs> she did flirt with me first, though. And so now she can't get rid of me. But anyway, who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, it is my master. So she took the veil. She covered herself and the servant told Isaac all the things that she had done. Then Isaac brought her into his father's, um, into his mother, Sarah's tent. And he took Rebecca and she became his wife and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. And so this servant of Abraham's accomplished his mission and our desire as believers is, should be to be as faithful as this servant was to his master. So that when we move on from this earth and we stand in the presence of the Lord, we can hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so in this chapter in Genesis 24, we see that it dealt with a bride for Isaac. But guess what? There is another picture that has been painted. There is a spiritual picture in Genesis 24 that has been painted here because here we see that Abraham is a picture of God the father. We also see that the servant whose name is possibly Eliezer was a picture of the Holy Spirit and Isaac was a picture of Jesus Christ. God is painting his picture, which means that Rebecca will be a picture of the church. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33, it tells us that marriage between a man and a woman, by the way, is a picture of Christ's relationship with the church. And so we kind of see that here in Isaac and Rebekah. And you see here that just as Abraham sent his servant out to find a bride for his son, Isaac, God the Father sends the Holy Spirit to find a bride for the son, Jesus Christ. You see, even now, even today, the Holy Spirit is wooing people to become a part of the church, to become a part of the bride of Christ. And God does that through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit works through us, through his servants who preaches the word of God. He is wooing people to come to the son and become a part of his bride, the bride of Christ. You see, the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. The Holy Spirit points them to the Savior who is the bridegroom and so when the servant in the scriptures that we read had met with Rebecca and her family notice that the servant did not talk about himself in fact the servant talked about the greatness of Abraham and then he spent time talking about 
Isaac of how Isaac would get the inheritance of of Abraham, who was just blessed beyond measure. And this is the same thing that the Holy Spirit does, by the way. He doesn't talk about himself, but he directs people to Jesus. In fact, in in John chapter 15, verse 26, it says, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, just like the servant was sent from Abraham, it says that the Holy Spirit will testify of me. He will testify of Jesus, just like the servant testified of Isaac. And the bride, of course, is made up. Of a bunch of people who have said, just like Rebecca has said, when her family asked her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. I just want to share with you that the church is made up. That is the bride of Christ. It is made up of people who said, I will go. Just like Rebecca says, I will go. In other words, the church is made up of a bunch of people who repented and put their trust in Jesus Christ. In other words, we exercise our free will to says, to say, I will go and I will receive Jesus Christ as our bridegroom, as our personal savior and as our personal Lord. And we do that, by the way, after hearing about Jesus through the word of God. Because the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so as we hear the word of God, as we hear about Jesus in the word of God, then we are able to place our trust in Jesus Christ. And just like Rebecca had never seen Isaac, she probably never even heard about Isaac until then. She just heard little descriptions about him from this servant, but she never seen him, like I said. So so just like Rebecca never hearing or, or seeing, I should say, about Isaac. We have never seen Jesus in person, but uh, by the way, we have heard enough about him. Just like Rebecca had heard enough about Isaac that made her say that I will go. And so we have heard enough about Jesus to say, I will go, that I will receive him as our bridegroom. You see, we have heard enough about the fact that the father sent him the only begotten son to die in our place. We have heard enough about him being the eternal word of God. In other words, he is the Lagos. We have heard about him being humble enough and taking upon himself a human body so that he can once again die in our place. We have heard enough about Jesus, although we have not seen him yet. We've heard enough about him to the fact that we know that he is the sinless son of God, that he is the unique son of God. The Greek word is monogamous. He That means he is unique. There is no one like him. He always was the son of God. He always was God. So he's truly God and he's truly man at the same time. He is perfect God, but he is perfect man at the same time. We've heard enough about him to understand that this is the same Jesus who rose from the grave on the third day, we've heard enough about him. We haven't seen him, but we heard enough about him and we placed our trust in him and we have become a part of the bride of Christ. Amen. Amen. You see right now, right now we are in what we call the church age as the worship team comes to the stage. We, we are in a church age right now. You see, God is working in and through the church. He is still assembling the church or to stick with the study. He is assembling still the bride of Christ in this church age. And in this church age right now, we are in the betrothal stage. 
We are in other words, the engagement stage with Christ. In fact, second Corinthians 11, two says this, and it's the Holy Spirit speaking or using Paul here. He says, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste or pure virgin to Christ. And so we're in this betrothal stage, but when the bride is complete, when the bride is complete, when the church is complete, then the bridegroom, he's going to come and he's going to rapture us. And then that's when the church age ends. And then the heavenly marriage will take place after the rapture and we will ever be with our Lord, will ever be with our bridegroom. And I just have a question for you and I think I know the answer. And the question that I have for you is, are you ready for that day? Are you ready for the bridegroom to come and take us up to be with him, to meet him in the air and we'll always be with him? Are you looking forward to that day? That day when we leave the old behind, that day when we leave the dysfunction and chaos behind to be with our Lord for eternity, to be with our bridegroom. I look forward to that day and I know you are too. But while we wait for that day, may we be busy for him. May we be faithful servants, in other words, for him. Amen. 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 We have communion tonight. Um, What a night to celebrate communion, just remembering Jesus and all he has done for us. And so we have the elements at the back and in the front here. Uh, The bread represents the body of Christ. The juice represents his blood. The blood represents. just when you think about the blood being poured out from Jesus, it, it's his life being poured out. And so we are remembering his death, the body he gave for us, the blood that he shed for us. It's a time of remembrance. It's, it's also a time to um, just reflect, ask the Lord to show you if there's any sin in your life you need to confess and repent of. And if, there, if that's so, then repent. It's a time of gratitude as well. And so I just wanted to share that with you. And I say a quick prayer, then I'll step down for the night. And then um, as you feel led, you want to grab the elements, take it back to your seats. Pray, you know, just you and the Lord or with your spouse and then partake. Father, we thank you for this night. Thank you for drawing us to your son to become a part of the bride, to become a part of the church, a part of your family. And I just pray over the elements, Lord, that you would bless them, that you would be glorified during this time, that you would bless your people, Lord, as we leave this place and not your presence, that you'll equip us for your work this week and help us, Lord. Help us to always remember how special we are to you. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.